All right, we are back in the book of Judges, Judges chapter 7, looking again at the life of Gideon. Uh, today's lesson is going to be a little short, um, just because there's they've just conquered, uh, or you know, Midian has just uh, had their battle with themselves. And now uh, Gideon is chasing them, and we see a couple of princes of Midian are going to get caught and going to get killed. But then we have this whole long story of uh, kings of Midian that Gideon goes and chases and the cities that he has to go through to get there, and that's kind of all one thought. So we're going to uh, look at this short thought today and then uh, get into the other part of it next week. So... Judges chapter 7, and like I said, Gideon has just gone with his army down to the camp. They've uh, broken the lantern, broken the pitchers. Uh, the lanterns have been there. They've blown the trumpets. They've shouted the sword of the Lord and of Gideon, and uh, the armies began to fight against themselves. Uh, Gideon and his 300 men did not have to lift a sword. Uh, we don't even know that they had swords. We know they had lanterns and we know they had trumpets, but we don't know that they even had swords. They weren't mentioned. And now they've escaped. So uh, <clears throat> the the remnant of the Midianite army has escaped. So we're going to pick up in Judges chapter 7 and verse number 24. Uh, the Bible says, And Gideon sent messengers throughout all Mount Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites, and take before them the waters unto Beth Bara and Jordan. Then all the men of Ephraim gathered themselves together, and took the waters unto Beth Bara and Jordan. And they took two princes of the Midianites, Oreb and Zeb, and they slew Oreb upon the rock Oreb, and Zeb they slew at the winepress of Zeb, and pursued Midian, and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon on the other side Jordan. And the men of Ephraim said unto him, Why hast thou served us thus? that thou callest us not when thou wentest to fight with the Midianites. Excuse me. And they did chide with him sharply. And he said unto them, What have I done now in comparison of you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Ebiezer? God hath delivered into your hands the princes of Midian, Oreb and Zeb. And what was I able to do in comparison of you? Then their anger was abated towards him and he had, when he had said that. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. Again, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to gather here to hear your truth. Lord, I pray that you would watch over us today. I pray you would guide and direct us. Help us to uh, not just hear your word. But Lord, help us to understand it, to have it enter our hearts, to have it mold us and shape us, to encourage us and to correct us. So, Lord, please guide and direct. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here... Gideon and his 300 men are in hot pursuit. They're, they're chasing after the Midianites as they've uh, broken through. Uh, remember, the 300 men had uh, Midian surrounded, but uh, in all of the chaos, the Midianites have broken through. And they're, they're fleeing this massive army that was uh, like uh, grasshoppers on the land. The, the camels were like the sand of the sea, uh, is now running away from these 300 men. And... Gideon is pursuing them. And as what usually happens, I'm sorry, uh, I got ahead of myself. Now, not only is it 
Gideon that is pursuing, but also those men that have been pruned away are now have all now returned and are coming back to pursue. Uh, God has won his victory with the 300. And now everybody wants to get involved. Uh, isn't that how it, how it is sometimes? Uh, when things are going well, uh, everybody wants to be involved. Uh, when things are not going so well, uh, nobody wants to be involved. Um, I, I think of... Uh, the church that we helped start down in uh, southern Iowa and, and uh, you know, things were, were improving. We were growing. We had purchased a building. We'd remodeled it. We were not meeting at the school anymore. And then all of the, and we had people that were there and, and wanted to be there and, and thought that they were, we thought that they were right there along with us, ready for everything. But then uh, the hard times hit and the struggles started and the majority of them ran here Gideon is now being joined again uh, and these men that were too afraid that allowed fear to keep them from following God when the victory is almost won have now jumped back in I remember uh, another um Another uh, example for the city. Uh, when I worked for the city of Creston as a fireman, we had a couple of of men that um, wanted to be firemen, that, that wanted to have all the glory and, and be known as the heroes. Um, but they usually showed up as the fire was being put out, after it was all over, when the, the hard stuff was already done. Um, Oddly enough, they would leave before the cleanup had to take place, but uh, that's a whole other issue. But here, uh, these men have come back, and they're now helping pursue, but, but the Midianites are, are ahead of Gideon and these men, and, and they're, they're, they're outrunning them. So Gideon sends messengers into Mount Ephraim and, and has the men of Mount Ephraim cut them off at the pass, if you will. They go down and, and they, they gather on the Jordan River and on the, the waters of Beth Barah and, and they trap them in and, and capture Oreb and Zeb. These two princes of Midian were powerful men who uh, commanded parts of the army. And Ephraim did their part. They, they captured these men and they killed these men and, and, uh, but the remnant still there was still a remnant that got through. And as they brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb back to Gideon, um, the men of Ephraim now are going to begin to be frustrated. They're, they're going to show their frustration. Um, and they're going to they're question Gideon about why he left them out. Why didn't you call us when, when you went to go fight against um, Midian? Why, why didn't you tell us? And Gideon handles it far more diplomatically than, than I probably would have. But his answer is, is, what have I done in comparison to you? You know, you've killed Oreb and Zeb. You've, you've slain these princes of Midian. You've done these great, this great thing, and I've literally done nothing. And when you look at what Gideon has done, he's, he's stood in the dark with a lantern and shouted and blew a trumpet. That's what he's done for the battle. So he's not lying. But the real truth is that Gideon has done exactly what God has asked him to do. 
had Ephraim come in, most of them would have been pruned away because God wanted those 300 men. But also, as we look at this, we have to ask ourselves, where was Ephraim for the last seven years? They knew that Midian was coming in and, and Midian was doing these things. They knew that, that Gideon and, and his people were being uh, harassed. They were being involved in it too. So why didn't the men of Ephraim stand up then? When we looked at, at Judges chapter 6 and we saw Midian come in for the first time, we understood that they came at the same time every year. They come at the end of harvest, or at, the, at, at harvest time, so that they can come and take all of the, the ripe fruits. So, again, where were the men? And I've had this conversation with a couple of, of men. I know Brother Jesse and I have talked about this a few times, but in our churches today, we see people that are hurting, that, that are that are uh, struggling. And we see missionaries that want to get to the field and, and they're, they're trying to go and yet they spend years on deputation going around and presenting their ministry to different churches only to be taken on by a few. As, as my family and I were out traveling around the country, um, we did have the, the opportunity to present our ministry to a few churches. We drove all the way to South Carolina from Texas uh, to do that. And for that specific reason, we were supposed to still be in South Carolina, but we got moved back, and then we ended up we had this meeting. So we had to drive all the way to South Carolina to present our ministry to a church that then didn't take us on. They wanted to have us there. They wanted to hear what we had to say. They saw value in what we were doing, but then they didn't want to support us. And we have that happen all over the world. We have people with real needs, and yet we're waiting for them to come and ask, waiting for them to come and beg. I didn't think of this verse. It's just popped into my head. But um, Let me see if I can find it real quick. There's a verse in, I think it's in Romans. that talks about a man that, that has a need and, and you say uh, go and go and be fed uh, and then you don't give you have the means to take care of the need but then you, you tell them to come back tomorrow and, and you don't uh, you don't take care of that need now I wish I could find that verse. It's in Proverbs. Okay. Encyclopedia Britannica. Noah, help me out.
Oh, this is one way to fill the time. Anyway, I'll find it eventually. Um, the idea is that somebody has a need and we have the means of taking care of that need and yet uh, we don't take care of it until they beg for it. Proverbs 3.28. Proverbs 3.28. Okay, let's check that out and see. We'll continue down this rabbit trail, see if we can catch the rabbit. Um, yeah, Proverbs 3, we'll start in verse 27. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Say not unto thy neighbor, Go, and come again, and tomorrow I will give, when thou hast it by thee. Devise not evil against thy neighbor, seeing he dwelleth securely by thee. Ephraim knew there was an issue. They knew that they were needed, and yet they didn't come. They waited until Gideon sent for them, and then in their pride and in their, their, their ego, they start to chide Gideon for uh, leaving them out. And Gideon, like I said, he, he handled it way more diplomatically uh, than I will, and we'll see uh, next week he's not going to be so diplomatic with the towns that he's going to come to as he's continuing to chase uh, Zeba and Zalmunna. But Gideon says, what have, what have I done in comparison to you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Ebiezer? Ephraim, what you, what you take up that's left over, that's, that's at the end, is better than, than what we do, than what my tribe does completely. You're far better than we are. And you, you've, you've delivered Oreb and Zeb and... and you, you've, you've killed them, and what have I done in comparison? And this makes Ephraim happy. And then notice, uh, again, we'll, we'll talk about it tomorrow, but notice in verse number 4, And Gideon came to Jordan and passed over, he and the 300 men that were with him, faint yet pursuing them. So now Gideon is going to continue on over the river Jordan, and he's going to be continue to chase the remnant. He's going to continue to chase Zeba and Zalmunna, and Ephraim's going to stay behind. Their, their job is done. Their little bit of, of work is taken care of. What can we learn from this? Gideon is chasing the remnant. He's doing his best to do what God had said, what God had sent him to do, and to do it completely. Throughout the whole book of Judges, as we've been looking at all of this, the reason that, that the Jews, that Israel is in the state that it's in right now is because they did not follow through. They didn't complete the task that God had sent them. Had they, in the very beginning, when they took the promised land, followed God in faith, and, and driven out or wiped out all of the the nations that were there, 
these people would not be coming after them. Also, because Israel was not continuing to follow God, and unfortunately, uh, at the end of next week, at the end of this last, the, the text for next week, Gideon is going to immediately fall away. We need to follow through. We need to not be sitting on the sideline until we're called. We need to be involved. The, the kids had the opportunity on Friday uh, to go and watch a football game. Their cousin uh, play football. Plays for the freshman team for Nevada, and then they stayed and watched the varsity game Friday night. When you guys were there, you saw a bunch of people sitting on the sidelines. And I'll bet if you paid attention, there were certain people that sat on the sideline the whole time and never got in the game. I was one of those people for a long time. You guys, you went to a baseball game Friday night. There were people that sat in the dugout that never got on the field. There were people that, that warmed up, that prepared. I'm sure there was, there was pitchers that were warming up and preparing in the bullpen that didn't get on the field. They didn't come on until they were called. They didn't come on until they were needed. And if they weren't needed, they didn't get there. We can't be like that. We as Christians, we have to be in the fight. We are so far behind, we have to catch up. We are in such a minority that, that everyone has to be involved. We have our prayer list on Wednesday night and we're, we're praying for those people and I'm I struggle with remembering people. Uh, I don't if I don't have the prayer list with me and I, I find time to, to begin to pray, I struggle with remembering what's on the list. I struggle with remembering to add and, and to make changes to the list so that we have updates, we have the most up to date information. But if we're not praying if we're not at a minimum praying for those people then we're not doing our job. If there's a need and we know there's a need, then we need to step in and help, whether we're asked or not. We need to be able to see how we can help and be able to help. We need to be in the fight. And we need to do everything that we can do completely. One of the things that... Uh, my cousin Scotty, uh, he's celebrating, uh, last week, celebrated three months sober. And I praise the Lord for that. But his life is going to be a struggle from now on. He's going to constantly, always struggle with not going back to that addiction. It needs to be given up completely. So let's just be encouraged today. Gideon is winning a great victory. He's moving forward and in, in trying to complete what the task that God has given him. Let's be encouraged to do that for today in our lives. To continue to see the need and take the lead, but also to continue and see it through. To see that, so that we can one day enter heaven and God can say well done thou good and faithful servant 
remember those those three men that the the ruler had given talents to. He'd given one five talents and one two talents and one one talent. And the one that was given one talent went and hid it. He did what his master wanted. He didn't lose his master's money, but he also didn't gain any. He didn't use, he didn't do his uh, work to the fullest of his ability, and he was chastised for it. 